and welcome to another edition of Tapeheads. I am Blame in Phoenix. I am Todd in Portland, Oregon. And we are going to be doing a special podcast today, as in we are not going to be talking about a specific song or album, but we are going to be talking about a genre of music. Specifically, 80s metal music. And this is one of the favorites of Todd. Yes. Um, I loved heavy metal and um, still to this day listen to a lot of it. But uh, Todd listened to it before I did and to a lot more bands than I did. And I learned how to play guitar <laughs> to all of it. <laughs> there you go. So I learned to play that. to the Beatles. He learned to play to uh, Elix. Dawkins and Van Halen. Elix is a little before. <laughs> okay. So specifically, I want to talk about... Back in 1983, I believe I was in 6th or 7th grade. Yes, I was in 7th grade. You know, the music that was popular in 1983, specifically in November, I had pulled up some of the uh, charts from 1983 in November. Why no, Why November, specifically? Uh, because in November is when Come On, Feel the Noise hit its peak. Oh, okay. So, in November, All Night Long was the number one song. The number two song was Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Say, say, say what you want, but don't play games with my affection. Uptown Girl was number three. And number four was your favorite. Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. <laughs> Islands in the stream, that is what we are. No one in between. How can we be wrong? Well, can we just, can we take, because I took a little, for context for the rest of the year, here's what was happening in the rest of 1983 for albums. Um, Business as Usual by Men at Work. Little album called Thriller by some guy named Michael Jackson. I don't know who that guy was. He's the guy who owned Neverland Ranch. Oh, but is, apparently he's a singer or something, too? I don't know. Probably going nowhere. Um, Flashdance soundtrack, briefly. Synchronicity by The Police. And then later in the year, Metal Health by Quiet Riot. Canceled Down by Lionel Richie. And Thriller for the rest of the year by Michael Jackson. Okay, so those other artists, the songs are all... You know, just all happy and, uh, you know, all night long we're going to dance. Just me and you say, 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 um, islands in the stream. Just happy-go-lucky music. Then in November, there was this band called Quiet Riot. And they had a song called Come On, Feel the Noise. And it became the number five song in the, at least here in the United States. Or actually, number five song for record sales. And that includes All Night Long, all those guys. So it's not like it's, you know, the album Rock or something like that. 
This was in popular music. Yeah, in the list I found, it was a number one album. Yes, it became the number one album, but it was a yeah. number five song. Number five song, got it. So this the, these kind of songs you may have been listening to, Todd, in your heavy metal stuff, like Dio and that kind of stuff. Yep. But me, I was listening at the time to what was top 40, Sticks and Lionel Richie, Paul McCartney, that kind of stuff. But then this song comes up, and it became the number five hit, which was completely out of the ordinary. That's almost, I mean, that kind of happens sometimes when country songs would make it to, to be number one, number five in the top ten hits. But heavy metal had never done this before. So is this the focus of our episode today? It's like how heavy metal sort of broke the mold and became popular Sure. In the mainstream? Yeah. Okay, 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 cool. Specifically with Come On, Feel the Noise. Right. Started that out. Yeah. Okay. So what was going on in L.A. at this time? In 83? Sure. Or, 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 or a year before that. But 83, yeah. All right, we'll say 83. 83, in, that was the beginning of Sunset Strip. Do you want to go that far, or do you want to go further back? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, I don't want to go. You know, we can talk about. Uh, let's talk about the pioneers of heavy metal then. All right. Well, so if you want to specifically go L.A., that would well, be like I mean, we could talk about L.A., but let's talk about the pioneers themselves, like Ozzy and uh, Black Sabbath. You want to go that far back, like Blue Cheer? Yeah, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of thing. Uh, Slade. Yeah, certainly Black Sabbath. And then when yeah. Black Sabbath kind of splintered into Dio and Ozzy and all that kind of stuff. And then specifically in L.A., you had the beginnings of bands like Van Halen had been around for a while. Quiet Riot had been around for a while. Randy Rhodes played with Quiet Riot. Van Halen was the party band, but they hadn't broken big yet. They were around for 10 years. <laughs> At that point, 83, they were around for 10 years. At this point, specifically in the Sunset Strip, they had clubs like the... The Roxy, Whiskey A Go Go, Gazaris, Cat House. So they had all these bands, and specifically it was like Motley Crue, Rat, Wasp, Quiet Riot. And these guys were different than we'll say like the wrecking crew. <laughs> or some of these some of these other bands that were that were in recording studios and, and making hits. Right, the yacht rock. Yeah. These guys were raw. They they dressed with tons of hairnet. Um, is it called hairnet or liquid net? What is that stuff called? Aquanet. There you go. They used aquanet. Uh, some of them wore wore uh, stilettos. Um, they wore leather pants and and vests and had hairy chests and. They did these shows that were were crazy. I mean, like Van Halen, they were putting gunpowder in these. Uh, they called them flash pots into <laughs> like tuna cans, and then they would have bare wires going in and with a with a foot switch going into the wall, and they would do this, you know, these pyromania stuff <laughs> on on in these little clubs. And these guys were what could go wrong with that? Yeah, these guys were poor. They weren't making a lot of money. Nobody had a record contract. And they were just taking Sunset Strip, which is in L.A., by a storm. And they were taking their cues for fashion from, like, New York Dolls and Alice Cooper, the shock rock stuff of the 70s. So certainly bands like Quiet Riot were considered 
kind of passe because they'd been doing it for five or six, seven years already by the early 80s. Yeah. They were dinosaurs. So Quiet Riot was the first band out of most of these Sunset Strip bands to get a record contract. They went in, recorded their songs, and somehow it made its way to number five. Come on, feel the noise. Here I am in um, Tri-Cities, Washington, a kid in sixth or seventh grade, and I've got the Quiet Riot Metal Health tape. I had that. (laughs) I never listened to heavy metal before, but I had that tape. I mean, I had um, a Van Halen Women and Children first. That was probably... And, and ACDC was out, but they didn't have any kind of hits. Well, yeah, Back in Black, of course, was years earlier, but um, yeah, I don't know about 83. So Come On, Feel the Noise comes out, and it's a big hit. People are talking about it. So what happens? Well, the record companies run to Sunset Strip, where, where Quiet Riot came from, and they see all these bands running and playing all these shows and they just started signing record contracts to all these guys get them in the studio this is the next big thing so come on feel the noise gets to number five Def Leppard who came from Europe and so did um, the Scorpions they didn't come from Sunset Strip they were kind of doing their own thing and they Def Leppard and the Scorpions they did not dress so much like no, they these did not. Sunset set strip bands. Well, the Scorpions they? had been around also for a really long time. Like since I heard a thing where somebody said they went all the way back to like 1965, something crazy like that. The first incarnation of the band. White Snake was old too, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 70s. So these bands were different because they were, I mean, there was guitar bands like Boston and stuff in 78 and of course Van Halen and stuff. But these guys were, they were basically built on guitar riffs, really fast drums with like a fast sound. And they were exciting to watch on stage. They didn't just play, you know, like, like shoegazing or whatever. Um, But they were, they were, they were playing this music and they were jumping all over. And I've, I've played live and you've played live and you know, seeing how these guys play live, very, I don't know how they have the energy to do that for two hours. Um, it's called cocaine. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> we well, never that's did. Why they were doing we that. never did cocaine. And they all did <laughs> quite a bit. So, um, <laughs> Def Leppard in 1983 had a hit. They got that song photograph, but I don't know if you want to really count Def Leppard as, Heavy metal music? I would, in context at the time, I wouldn't now, I don't think. I mean, they're really technically they're hard rock. They're not heavy metal. But certainly at the time, they were heavier than most yeah. pop bands at the time. So certainly they're heavier than most of the stuff on the radio at the time. So I would say that I would factor that in. It's all part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Scorpions were the same kind of thing. They exactly. weren't really heavy metal. They were a... A hard rock type yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Even Motley Crue. Motley Crue were probably heavier than some of these others. Even Quiet Riot. They were sort of similar, but yeah, Motley Crue is a little bit heavier. Yeah. 
the real heavy stuff was coming out of England and coming out of like stuff like Black Sabbath and Dio and Ozzy. Oh, I guess Ozzy was taking his guitarists from L.A., so <laughs> it yeah. was all kind of the same. So in 1983, there's kind of like two hits, but Come On, Feel the Noise was a big hit. That was number five. Right. Them to break the top ten. So they went and signed all these bands from the Sunset Strip, and the next year, you know, this stuff started coming out. So Van Halen had a number one song, and I don't really count this as a heavy metal song because it has so much synthesizer in it, you know, Jump. Yes. But Jump did make it to number one. Um, Panama and I'll Wait, number 13. Rat Round and Round. Do you remember when those guys came out? That was 83. Oh, their first album was 83. Out in the Cellar, I think, was 84. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. album came out, and that was after huge. They got signed by a record company, and they had a number twelve hit. Twisted Sister, I think they came out of New York, right? Yeah, they did. So they weren't part of the Sunset Strip stuff. They got had a number twenty one hit, and then the Scorpions, "Rock You Like a Hurricane," number twenty five. So you can kind of see this is a year later after you know they they signed all these bands that um, popular music was no longer just all night long and Uptown Girl. It was these heavy metal bands. I have a fun little fact about nineteen eighty four, more generally than the heavy metal stuff. 1984 is the smallest number of number one albums of all time. But there were only five number one albums for the entire year. <laughs> and let's have a little fun. See if you can guess what they are. Probably Thriller. Yes. And that probably overtook most of the year. Yeah, a lot of it. But there were other huge, um, huge ones. Two of them are soundtracks. I'll give you a hint. Um, 1984 soundtrack. Uh, separate ways. I mean, or the, I I don't know. Tell me. Okay. Let's slow it down. (laughs) Okay. So the top five ones are thriller, obviously. Purple rain by Prince. Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Also, that guy's probably going nowhere. Footloose, the other soundtrack. Oh. And for one week, Huey Lewis in the News Sports. It was just for one week. Just for one week, and that's the that's the smallest number amount of number one albums for a year, huh? Yes. I thought when wow. I when I tried to do this, I guessed like a virgin, which was not which did come out in nineteen eighty four, but didn't come number one until eighty five. 
But I thought huh. for sure it was going to be like a virgin, but it was not. In 84, all these, these heavy metal bands started getting hits. In 85, Motley Crue comes out. And they had a number 16, which seems like that's the only big hit for that year. And what did you do in that year? 1985? 1985. Oh, well, that would be the year I started playing guitar. There you go. November 20th, 1985. <laughs> November 20th. Why do you know November 20th? What I know that. that <laughs> That's the day I got a guitar. Uh, the only oh, reason man. I know that for sure is because I wrote it. I used to have a little tape that I used to write. So whenever I'd write a song, I'd record it on this little tape in front of my boombox. And I wrote down the date, November 20th. <laughs> So I would always know that that's the date I started playing guitar. Didn't do that for okay. any other instruments I played, but yeah, I did it with the guitar. So in 85, Sammy Hagar, well, David Lee Roth left um, Van Halen. Sammy Hagar joined Van Halen. David um, Lee Roth started his solo band, which is killer. He, he did start his solo band. And uh, that's also when the whole hearing aid thing happened, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Live Aid, Farm Aid. Yep. Band-Aid, I think, too, is then. Band-Aid? Yep. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 84. Not a, lot of, not a lot of heavy metal hits in 1985 for some reason. I'm not sure why that is. But if you're saying, uh, well, that was 1984 with those albums you're talking about. Which ones? Oh, the, t- the, 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 the least amount of number the one short albums. Number, yeah, the short number of top fives. Um, yeah, and I would say that, you know, shoot, Thriller being so big. And Thriller was number one from before, too. Do you want to look up real quick? Do you want to look up uh, top albums of 1985? Okay, here's the list of albums of 1985. I just pulled them up. Same place I got the ones from 84. So first is Purple Rain, carried over from 84. Born in the USA, carried over. Like a Virgin, there you go. Make It Big by Wham. Uh, let's see. Center Field by John Fogarty. Forgot about that, too. That's a great album. Really good album. Uh, no Jacket Required by Phil Collins. We are the world. Oh, there we go. Back to No Jacket Required. Around the World in the Day by Prince. Oh, sweet. Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Man, there's a lot. We're only halfway through the year. No jacket required again. Songs from the Big Chair, Tears for Fears. Reckless by Brian Adams.
Back to Songs for the Big Chair. Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. There you go. Awesome. Miami Vice soundtrack. Yeah, that's um, crazy. That is crazy. I remember, um, I remember karaokeing. Well, I guess it was it was lip syncing the Miami Vice theme song. There's vocals on in that. School. I've only heard the instrumental. Yeah, it was. I was doing it to the instrumental. Oh, you're karaokeing to the. It was. It was goofy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was not karaoke. It was uh, lip sync. Still, I think you need lyrics to uh, lip sync. I know. It was. It was goofy. Okay, so uh, yeah, Heart, then back to Heart, and then Miami Vice, and that's it for the year. Oh, kind of a lot. A lot of soundtracks. I had the Miami Vice soundtrack. I had Brothers in Arms. I had Songs from the Big Chair. I had Reckless. I had No Jacket Required. Um, I had, had Center Field. You had Purple Rain? I did have Purple Rain. I did not have Bruce Springsteen. I didn't or either. Or Madonna. Uh, I did have Madonna. I had Purple Rain. I had Madonna. My brother had Born in the USA. Man, that's a, Born in the USA is a hard record to get through these days. Mm. He just got it, and before he got it, I listened to it, and it was just like, man, all the songs are really depressing. And some of them are cool on their own, but man, if you take it as a whole, it's a difficult album to get through. Uh, let's see. So it's, so it's weird that 1985 was not so much of a year for heavy metal music when the following year is when it blew up. What was it? So 86, that's like Bon Jovi. Is that one there? Bon Jovi had two. Bon Jovi had Living on a Prayer, number one. You give love a bad name, number one. Shot to the heart, and you're too late, darling. You give love a bad name. Van Halen, why can't this be love? Number three. Europe, Carrie, number three. <laughs> what? The final countdown, number eight. Cinderella, Nobody's Fool, 13. David Lee Roth with Yankee Rose coming up at 16. That record is awesome.
so that year, it completely blew up. I mean, they had two number one songs. Um, bon Jovi did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, I had MTV by then, and right. I would come home from school, and Living on a Prayer was playing, and so was You Give Love a Bad Name, and all kinds of stuff. And there was, you know, I when I when I made this list up, I had to cut it off at some point, and so I, I just did it at 15, just trying to get the biggest hits. Sure. So there was all kinds of other stuff. MTV was playing Cinderella, Rat, um, who else were they playing at this time? Oh, my Motley Crue was Motley still Crue. big. Girls, 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 I think was out then. Or certainly Theater yeah. Pain was still... I think it was Girls, Girls, Girls by then. Maybe Dr. Feelgood. I don't remember which one came first. Dr. Feelgood was later. That was okay. Then it was th- okay, then it was Girls, Girls, Girls. Yeah, so I mean, it was... Uh, it was... It just it went crazy. I uh, forgot that, that uh, Bon Jovi's huge album was in 86. I was thinking it was 87. Their first album came out, and it was kind of like the song Runaways on that one. That was kind of a hit. I was thinking yeah. that was later. They were, they were all later. So, wow, that's cool. Two number ones in a year for a hard rock band. And so that was, Crazy. you know, kind of how it all took off. And they were signing bands left and right. Just the goofiest stuff in the world. You, Torah, Torah, Torah. Now, this, <laughs> of course, was not, this is not 1986. But uh, the very next year, I think, was 87 when... when uh, Guns N' Roses came out. The Appetite for Destruction, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know, we're not going to go that far, and I just kind of wanted to go up to 86 because we're going to do this in a few parts. Um, yeah, like we may have mentioned, this is a very special episode. It's actually a series. <laughs> yes, we're going to do three or four uh, about this kind of stuff. And Yeah. But, you know, the, the heavy metal stuff, you know, these guys were coming out. Like I said, they had the Aquanet in their hair. They're jumping around. They're singing about guns and guitars, bikinis and fast cars, and drinking and partying and rocking and rolling all night long. We forgot about the band Autograph. Uh, well, yeah, they Turn didn't up have the a radio. top 15 hit. Oh, that's probably why. Well, they were all over the yeah. radio and MTV with Turn, oh, yeah. turn I mean, Up the Radio was... and Lipstick and Leather, Black and Red. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Terrible. there's bands that are not on this list because they didn't have a top 15 hit like... Dawkin. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just tons of bands that had come out by 86. Yeah, it's funny. Like, a list like this, which some of these bands, like, they may not have had huge radio hits at the time, but they're still around. These bands are still around and still huge. Even Poison. We haven't talked about Poison yet. They're huge, and they're still around. They're still touring. So is Motley Crue. Touring together, actually. (laughs) Um. And so it's like, it's a little bit, it's, yeah, it's hard to be, a, a, it, yeah, I see what you mean, how hard it would have to be to be kind of arbitrarily picking a cutoff date, because some of these bands deserve a lot more credit than they're getting in this, Oh yeah, in this context. Yeah, I just, I really wanted to pick the biggest hits. Right, because there's um, like, like, the for, like for Europe, there's no way Carrie is a bigger hit than Final Countdown. <laughs> Absolutely. That just I mean, blew my mind. Yeah, that's crazy. You, I mean, if you asked... A hundred people, if they knew the song Carrie, uh, zero people. I, I I I think maybe ten would know it. Oh, luckily, but I You'd think lucky. probably seventy-five to a hundred would know the final countdown. Yeah, even if they don't know it's Europe, they'd rec- you go ba 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 da 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 da, and they'd go, oh yeah, 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 okay. But hey, do you know the song Carrie? No, zero. 
<laughs> is that the that's not is that the song about walking on the Trail of Tears? No, what that's, song is that? that's, oh, that's called that's, uh, Trail Cherokee. of Tears. Oh, Cherokee. Sorry, Cherokee. 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 That's what I was thinking. Cherokee. Yeah. Carries. Walking on the trails of tears. Yeah, carries. Yeah. Carry, carry. Thank you very much. There you go. See? <laughs> so if I was one of those 100 people, I would know. But uh, yeah. chances of anybody asking me if I'm going to know Carrie, pretty slim. Oh, yes. But if absolutely. they do, I'll be ready for them. How about Yankee Rose? Oh, I'll definitely know that. I got that record. That's great. Uh, you know, I, I read a thing about, they talk about um, 5150 and the David Lee Roth album. Oh, man. And more people have liked the David Lee Roth album than 5150, which is really weird. Oh, I don't think so. I think the David Lee Roth one is way more fun. Like, I love 5150, but I don't have it on vinyl, and I do have David Lee Roth. Yeah. And, have, and that's part of it. The, it's the just whole, so fun. You, know, you want to get the Van Halen, Sammy Hagar thing. Van Halen was just with the David Lee Roth Roth was just fun. Yes. It was fun music with Sammy Hagar. It was the music was, it was great music. It was, it was a lot better music. I think, um, Eddie Van Halen worked more on writing the songs. Yeah. And composition kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the David Lee Roth stuff was just fun. It was just fun. There's a great concert of the David Lee Roth band. It's one of their first shows from that tour. And they're just having the time of their lives going through it. It's Steve Vai playing guitar, Billy Sheehan playing bass. Drummer is Greg Bissonette, Bis- Greg Bissonette who's actually yeah. playing with Ringo Starr now on his All-Star Tour. Really? Yeah. But yeah, those four guys just tear it up. And there's one where they start doing Yankee Rose and Steve Vai starts doing his little talking wah guitar thing like he does on the beginning of that. And then they're playing in Detroit and... They start, David walks in, he's like, hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. We just wanted to say, you know, we're having a great time. And Hey, Steve, can you make your guitar say Detroit? <laughs> and he takes his wand, he goes, what do you want? And it sounds like Detroit. And they all start cracking up laughing, and it's the funniest thing. We should try to find that, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it's the entire concert. So if you have nothing better to do, looking for a way to watch some <laughs> live David Lee Roth from 1985, it's great. There you go. So anyway, so we're we're talking about this heavy metal, and this is up to 1986, and we're going to stop here um, because what we're going to talk about next time is probably um, the whole power ballad thing and how that became such a huge thing and, and, and dances at school and, and this huge thing. And then also about from 86 to 91 where they kind of uh, self-imploded by all the record companies signing so many bands and and then Nirvana coming along and kind of screwing up everything that, that came about from the whole heavy metal. Yeah, for me, 86, 87 is about where I started losing interest in that hard rock, heavy metal stuff, because it just all sounded the same. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it'd become tired. If you'd been listening to it for four or five years already, it's like, all right, well, I heard... That. I mean, even the established bands started to sound all produced and... They'd have, like, even as a hard rock band, they'd have more keyboards in there and have more polished sound. A band like Y&T, who was kind of a rock band, their albums sound nothing like their live show. They have, like, very, like, glassy production. Didn't, you know, it's kind of neutered them. Yeah. And a lot of bands, was, that was the case with a lot of them. And the power ballad thing was be, just becoming... And then Unskinny Bop. Unskinny Bop by Poison, to me, is oh, the terrible. worst. 
song that was considered heavy metal and was a hit. I mean, I don't even, I don't, I, I don't understand it. But we'll talk about that next time. And we're actually not going to talk about a movie because uh, this has kind of gone on for a while. But uh, if you get a chance, go back and listen to some of our other podcasts. We talked about Paul McCartney last time. Um, yes, uh, Van Halen. Hot for Teacher and Band-Aid, Band-Aid and, and Till Tuesday. Till Tuesday, Voices Carry. We touched on this subject a little bit in the Hot for Teacher one, and that's kind of, I think, what got us thinking about it. We're like, wow, this whole hard rock thing really took off, and that's kind of a big subject. It kind of deserves its own focus. So that's what kind of was the impetus for this. Yeah, so thanks for joining us for this, and um, we're going to let you go. And this is Blaine from Phoenix signing off. This is Todd from Portland signing off. Thanks for listening. Tapeheads. Hey,